Hi, you're listening to Audio Smut. Audio Smut is a show about your body, your heart, and your junk. This is the STI episode. My name's Mitra, and I'll be guiding you today. Sexually transmitted infections happen, and they happen to the best of us. When I was in school, extreme images of the dangers of sex and STIs were my sex education. So, I grew up thinking that if I contracted an STI, that my sex life would be over. We've been conditioned to be terrified of fucking up our junk, we fear judgment from our peers, and think that we will never find love if we get something. It's not the 1800s, or the 80s for that, And in North America, syphilis is not an epidemic, and HIV is no longer a death sentence, and contracting herpes never meant that you will not find love. Here on Audio Smut, as you know, we're not afraid of taboo subjects. So today, I present to you our approach on the risks and realities of sexually transmitted infections as told by the people who have experienced them firsthand. No doctors, no textbooks, no volleyball coaches flipping through gross slides, just real people. Thank you for calling Audio Smuts Anonymous STI Hotline. When you hear the tone, you are free to share your story. Thanks, and have a great day. Personally, it's been, you know, a, a minor discomfort in my life. Um, really, like, not very significant. But the thing that I did not really expect of the whole situation was the degree to which it would influence my ability to have intimacy with other people. That's, like, been a really hard thing for me. I actually haven't had sexual intercourse in, oh gosh, like three and a half years. Um, and a, a big reason is because I I hate having that conversation with people. And the number of partners that I've had who are just ready to like get over it has been a little bit encouraging. And a, a in some ways, I feel like I haven't totally gotten over it yet. Um, well, yeah, just kind of not sure what to say about it anymore. Janelle Marie is an attractive, blonde-haired 30-year-old woman. But back when she was 16, she noticed some curious blisters on her vagina. I had told my mom that there was something that I was worried about. I saw something developing, didn't know what it was. So I finally showed her and she said, we got to go in. So we went into my family doctor, his name, um, Dr. Bone. He had a a lazy eye. He was missing half an ear and um, was going bald. So I couldn't relate to this, this gentleman. And he said, this is herpes, walked out. 
of the room. He had swabbed it, walked out of the room, came back, said, yes, it is. And he also said, this is the worst case I've ever seen in my life. And here, here's a prescription and there's the door. He didn't say there's the door, but that was the breadth of our conversation. At 16 years of age, Janelle had had oral sex with two people and sex sex with four others. She's not sure which one of them gave her herpes. At the time, she wasn't worried about STDs, just about getting pregnant. So she was taking birth control, but not using condoms. So I'm 16, sitting in the doctor's office with my mother in, you know, one of those horrible scratchy sheaths and finding out that I have a sexually transmitted disease. It's the worst that this doctor has ever seen. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm not only dirty, I'm the dirtiest. I'm the sluttiest. ride home, which was only about a 15-minute drive from in town, crying. I cried all the way home saying I was never going to have a boyfriend. Nobody would ever love me again. Um, My life was ruined, you know, and and that is a very common reaction. Herpes is complicated. And if you really need to know all the details, you're not going to get them in this story. Here's what you need to know to make sense of what Janelle was dealing with. Herpes is caused by a virus. Once you have that virus, you're supposed to carry it for life. For genital herpes, the virus causes sores or blisters on one's genitals or anus. An infected person does not have sores all the time. Their first outbreak is usually the worst, but then after that, the frequency of outbreaks varies greatly from person to person, just like it does with cold sores. Medications like Valtrex suppress herpes outbreaks, but they don't get rid of the virus. Herpes is spread by skin-to-skin contact, not through fluids like with HIV. Condoms can reduce the spread of genital herpes because they can provide a barrier between skin. The reason why condoms aren't a foolproof method is because they don't cover everything. An infected person is most contagious when they have an outbreak, but they may still be contagious even when they don't have an outbreak. So you just never really know when they're contagious or not. The first person I was with after I'd contracted genital herpes, I didn't tell. Janelle was doing what a lot of teenagers do, drinking at a friend's house, hanging out with a couple people. She ended up fooling around with one of the guys there. And they had sex. I just was scared out of my mind, kind of made a shitty decision and a bad choice and put someone at risk and... Yeah, that that was kind of a lesson, a lesson, a hard lesson learned, I guess. She was later told that her partner from the party ended up contracting it. So when Janelle was 17 and she started seeing someone new, she knew that she was going to have to tell this person that she had an STD. And the conversation was me bawling and and just pouring out my heart and freaked out and nervous and I just scared out of my mind. Interestingly enough, though, he was just more mad that it had happened to me and, like, didn't care at all, didn't want to not engage in activities, didn't want to stop dating. There was no even question in his mind, and that's actually been consistent with every other partner since.
conversation is always similar and it gets easier in time. It's always very hard. It's always very awkward, but it's never any less scary. Janelle's had seven boyfriends since she was diagnosed 14 years ago. She's told all of them about her herpes. And it hasn't really altered her sex life that much. I think this will come as a shock to most, but not all of my significant others have wanted to use protection in terms of consistently throughout our sexual activities. What Janelle's saying is that some of her boyfriends have preferred to have sex without using condoms all the time. What we do do, though, always is I we abstain from sexual activities when I'm having an active outbreak, when I have a visual outbreak that I'm aware of, um, or when I feel one coming on. She also takes prescription meds when she has an outbreak to reduce the length and severity. Janelle's boyfriend right now, who she's been with for almost three years, he's not put off by the herpes. In fact, Janelle says he wishes that more people understood what little physical effect it has on his girlfriend. One time he told Janelle, He said, I wish I could tell people and I just want to let people know that your vagina does not look like hamburger meat. It is not all messed up and it is gorgeous and your vagina is beautiful. And he's like, Janelle, I just love your vagina. And I'm like, well, praise Jesus for you. So by the time Janelle was 29, she'd come a long way from the teenager who cried all the way home from the doctor's office. It had been a long journey, but Janelle had reached a point in her life where she decided to share her story. She started a website called the STD Project. On the site, in addition to sharing her own experiences, Janelle serves as a kind of moderator for people who come there for information, support, and to tell their own stories. Here is a place to go non-judgmentally here I will share with you the gray areas my experiences I'm an open book Um, I'm not ashamed to say I haven't always done things the right way I haven't always done right by people I'm not just some wonderful saintly person who's always had this great responsible conversation about my herpes when Janelle was first working on the site before she launched it she started posting on her friends Facebook pages she'd say things like I'm working on something really exciting and out of the ordinary. Stay tuned. Then when I launched it and I said, okay, guys, here's the here's what I'm doing. Here's what I've been talking about for the last couple of months. Go check it out. And I think there was a very you could probably have heard a, a, a pin drop on the floor, you know, on my on my relative Facebook uh Facebook friends at their homes and such. I I would love to have been a fly on the wall to hear their conversations randomly. Like, can you believe this crazy? She is batshit crazy. What is she doing? She's telling everyone she has genital herpes. Most people with an STD don't go around announcing it in a website and then posting links to that website on their friends' Facebook pages. But Janelle needed to set the record straight. I knew that the reaction people had to me outside of relationships, like girlfriends and society in general, to me having herpes, I knew that that was incorrect. And I, I wanted to say, wait a minute, this is, this is junk. It's not accurate. It's really damaging. It was very damaging and harmful. And it really, really hurt me for years and years and just dragged me down. 
for me, it was something that I thought people would were using against me or would and was worried about. So there was always that in the back of my mind, worried that it was going to come up at the worst time or something. So now I guess I can't. I don't really care anymore. Janelle Marie's award-winning website is thestdproject.com. There you can read posts from her current boyfriend, listen to her weekly podcast, share your own story, and so much more. years ago and I got up to shower one morning and saw a bunch of weird little pimple things underneath my pubic hair um, and kind of freaked out because I'd never had an STD before. Uh, I never really even thought about it and uh, was diagnosed with something called molluscum contagiosum, which winds up being a really uh, easy to treat STD. It's most common uh, in kids whose immune systems haven't fully formed yet. And it's just a real sort of superficial skin virus that creates these things that look like pimples, but you squeeze them and there's actually nothing to come out inside. Treatment for it was pretty straightforward. It involves kind of a hot burning um, metal pin being inserted into the uh, pimple sort of thing to kill the virus. It took almost half a year um, to treat. I had that once. HIV is an STI that people are afraid of. But in North America, living with HIV is very different now than it was 10 years ago. Contracting HIV is no longer a death sentence, not even close to a death sentence. For people who don't have intersecting issues like poverty or drug use or other health problems, What you do today, if you get HIV, is you take meds and you live a healthy life. In Canada and the US, the meds you need to keep the virus under control are free. And if you take them regularly, you can reduce your viral load so much that when you get tested, it's not even detectable. The test results come back negative, which means that the likelihood of you transmitting it to anyone else is close to zero. I learned all of this from my new friend, Jordan Arsenault. Right now, I'm wearing a red jock strap and an old, like, baseball T-shirt with a London double-decker bus on it. Back in 2005, Jordan is an artist, a journalist, an activist, a gorgeous man living the gay Montreal life. Which, in the queer scene, means a lot of hookups with friends and strangers. How much do you ever really tell someone when you're going on an internet date or when you're having a party hookup or a one night stand? How much do you usually even have to have to tell them? In 2006, Jordan becomes HIV positive and suddenly there's a lot he has to say to his internet dates. It's like you have a really big scary reason to not hide these things. Two big scary reasons. 
One of which is that hopefully you care about the people that you're having sex with and you don't want to hide things from them. But the other is that you could go to jail for sexual assaults. In Canada and the U.S., it's a criminal offense to have sex with someone without telling them you have HIV first. In Canada, they recently changed the law saying people with an undetectable viral load don't have to disclose if they use a condom every time. In 2011, Jordan's on meds and his viral load is really low. So I chatted with this guy who's one of these actor bartenders. We'll call him Sebastian. So Sebastian and I were... We're chatting, and then we go and we hang out on his roof. You know, it's this beautiful sunny May day, but it's kind of chilly. So we go inside, we make out, we get naked. I mean, he even goes to the washroom to douche, for God's sake. So then he comes back, and we're making out some more, and I'm just like, well, you know, like, I just I just met you and and all that. You I, you know, I hope you understand. Like, it's not, it's not easy for me to tell people via text message that I'm HIV positive, so I'm telling you that now before we go any further. And he goes, oh, man, oh, I, I really can't. I can't go through with this. I'm like, it's not that infectious, right? And he's like, yeah, I know, but I got with an HIV-positive guy a couple months back, and the condom broke, and I had to go on the post-exposure prophylactic. The post-exposure prophylactic is like the morning-after pill of HIV. You take it within 24 hours, and it prevents the virus from latching onto your cells and stops it from replicating. So I start getting my clothes on and I'm leaving. And he's like, but wait, 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 I'm not seraphobic. Seraphobia is the fear, judgment of, discrimination against people who are HIV positive. This is the most postmodern rejection I think I've ever received. You know, on the one hand, it's just an internet date. Who cares? You can't really expect too much out of it. I mean, it's, it's like... It's like a street falafel, you know? Sometimes it's bad. You didn't really put that much into it, so it's normal maybe that you don't get that much out of it. But that's an opinion that took me years to form. In the moment, it was, it was the bitterness and it was the profound disappointment. Strategies that people have and strategies that, you know, I've attempted to, to use that don't really work that well are only dating HIV-positive people. A lot of people do that. It's called sorting. That's not really a useful strategy because you don't, you know, you don't necessarily have a whole world in common with someone just because they also contracted it in, you know, in their life. The other way that people deal with it in sort of a more shocking way, I mean, I got with a, a, a guy once who had been HIV-positive for five years told me and said that he hadn't told a single other human being in his whole life. Never told a soul. I picked up a guy at um, my friend's, uh, a monthly my friend runs. This isn't just like some internet hookup. This is like somebody who like deliberately chose to take me home. We had had carrot cake before. He's, like, much younger than me. But he was really cute, and we went back to his house again, rooftop makeout. And we go, and we make out in his bed, and then I, I look over, 
and I see that he has a Silence Equals Death poster. It's slightly torn on one corner. The Silence Equals Death poster is an artifact of the glory days of AIDS activism. It's black featuring the pink triangle and the equation written in big white letters, Silence Equals Death. It was created by the art collective Grand Fury as a statement for and by the queer community, saying, if we remain silent in fear of coming out, if we don't demand medical research and treatment, people will continue to die en masse and nothing will be done about it. It was so effective, it's been redone and remade thousands of times. So I told him, you know, I'm HIV positive. I'm not highly infectious. In fact, I'm not very infectious at all. It's not like there is, you know, a 0% chance of you contracting it from oral. It's just that no one ever does unless you literally, like, have, a, like, a herpes outbreak in your mouth or unless you already have an STI in your mouth. And you have to get into all these things. You have to get into all these things where normally, you know, you should just be able to say, hey, uh, I don't do anal on the first date, you know, or like whatever you want to say, or like, hey, I'm really into being choked or like whatever you want to say when you're getting with someone for the first time. I tell him that and we, you know, we get it on and all's, everything's fine. And then we hang out, I think, a second time. And then when we were going to hang out a third time, about a week later, he came to a cafe where I was doing my laundry and tells me that he can't, he can't go through with it anymore. He's too paranoid. He has an anxiety disorder and it's plaguing him. Especially since, um, yeah, sorry to anyone out there who's trying to quit smoking, but this is a cigarette moment of the interview. My attempt at being transparent fed into his paranoia. I could say, okay, well, again, this is probably just a consequence of getting with someone too fast before you've had a chance to get to know them. But fuck, you know. Some days I definitely go to bed wishing I was, you know, wishing I was my friend, we'll call him Michael, wishing I was my friend Michael who's never told a soul. The stigma is by far the worst part about being HIV positive. Silence equals death. Jordan disagrees. He says silence doesn't equal death. Not anymore. But people are still being silent about it because they're afraid. They're afraid of being rejected over and over again. People are so afraid that they're not getting tested at all. So they never have to tell because they don't know. This is upsetting to Jordan. So he makes a poster. It looks exactly like the Silence Equals Death poster, except it says, Silence, Silence equals, equals sex. sex. It's a campaign against serophobia. Silence equals sex. All those posters say that to me now. Jordan wrote a poem called The New Equation. 
It was the inspiration for this campaign, and it was based on the experiences he shared with us in this interview. Go to the Audiosmart website to take a listen. I've made it my mission to remind people that rejecting people based on stigma will encourage more silence. and I had been together for maybe three months, we found out that she had gonorrhea. So I go to the clinic at my college, and, you know, I'm sitting in the the examination room with this nurse practitioner. And I told her, well, you know, my, my partner has gonorrhea. Treat me for gonorrhea. She was like, is your partner a man or a woman? She's a woman. Well, I don't see the point because it's really unlikely that you got it too. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, the, the sex you have is really not very risky. I was like, what are you talking about? My partner probably got it from another female-bodied person. And if you want, I'll show you just how risky the sex we were having is. <laughs> I ended up finally getting tested, and I, I had gonorrhea. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope today's episode has been educational and inspiring. This episode of Audio Smut was produced by Caitlin Prest, Ray Dooley, Jen Ng, Laura Herberg, and myself, Mitra Kaboli, with help from Julia Alsop. We want to extend a special thanks to PositiveSingles.com, Janelle Marie of the STDProject.com, and Jordan Arsenault. You can hear the rest of his poem, The New Equation, on our website at audiosmut.ca. We will also have links to all of these amazing people. This episode premiered at our sex ed event at Shag in Brooklyn. Stay tuned for our latest shenanigans on Facebook and Twitter. If you happen to be in New York, maybe you can join us next time. Thanks for listening. 